we're not going to recognize three to five years from now the way we're running supply chains, big or small today, because these tools are just, they're spectacular. This is Mike Quinlan, and you are listening to the Business Owner Transition Podcast. There is one constant in business, and that is that every one of us will eventually exit, and sometimes sooner than we think. In this podcast, we discuss topics to help you with elite preparation, so when you're ready for transition, you won't just exit, you will join that exclusive group of owners who have accomplished an elite exit. We talk with former owners, exit advisors, and a host of other experts to help you increase the value of your exit, execute it on your terms, and most importantly, do it without regret. So let's join the show. Welcome back to the Business Owner Transition Podcast. Today, I have an old friend, Tom Robleski. I met this guy over 30 years ago in uh, beautiful Pensacola, Florida, as we were going through Navy flight training together. Now, Tom is a lot smarter than me. Tom did his first tour in the Navy, and we were both flying airplanes in, in different places, but he was smart. He did his first tour in the Navy, and then he got out I stayed in. So let me just tell you a little bit about his background. He is a graduate of the Ohio State University. It pains me to say it like that, but go dog. Then he went in the Navy. Then he went to Carnegie Mellon for his business school. After that, he went through a series of senior leadership positions in supply chain consulting space and now advises Fortune 50, Fortune 100 CEOs and boards on supply chain strategy, tactics, and human capital. Why is this conversation today important? Well, it goes directly to your cash flow. It goes directly to your EBITDA. EBITDA is one of the two major drivers of value for your ultimate transition of your company and for you to achieve that elite exit. Supply chain issues go to the I'm Good checklist. And remember, the second O of the I'm Good checklist is documenting and optimizing operations. Tom, I'm super excited to have you here. We get to keep up a lot, but having you here and talking about this versus drinking beer and talking about airplanes is, uh, is a different thing, and I appreciate you being here. Great to be here, Mike, and uh, you're hitting on one of my passions here, so I'm looking forward to talking. What's that, flying airplanes? Uh, supply chain. I'm a little bit of a geek there, but yeah, I really enjoy this uh, this space, so interesting to share some insights with uh, with your crew. Let's start with, let's just get the landscape a little bit. Let's talk about global supply chains, domestic supply chains. What are all the pressures out there? We know there's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, that's an understatement, Mike. So, you know, what's been happening over the past uh, five to 10 years is we've we've been battling a lot of disruptions on the digitization of the supply chain. And really, you know, how do companies handle the different types of tools that are out there to really help the optimization piece and which drives to that EBITDA. The second thing is what's been happening on the pandemic side, which has really exacerbated a, a variety of different fronts in the supply chain from different sourcing strategies to just not being able to get people to, to work basically. And then thirdly, you look at what's happening from a macro political landscape right now and that disruption. It's just uh, three amazing disruptions that are all just targeting the whole supply chain space. So it just really is driving 
a lot of needs for kind of two critical things is agility and resiliency. Those have to be the mantra. As I'm talking to my clients, if you're not bringing up agility and resiliency, when we initial chat, then you're missing something. It's that important. It's kind of core to the way you're going to be able to manage that whole EBITDA line there from a supply chain perspective. I will tell you that logistics in terms of transportation is a massive problem right now for my clients. It's huge. It's huge. And transportation is being impacted. And I'll, I'll just call it truck drivers, if you will, or, or the whole trucking space specifically is we can't find enough drivers. We can't find enough trucks. And that, that is really, it's you know, even some of my clients, I, I, I ask them, why am I seeing you on so many different webinars and whatnot with trucking companies? I got, and their answer is, I got to do so many things to find truck availability that I'm going to do whatever I can to, you know, side up to them and help them because I can't get trucks. I can't get containers. Not only can I not get them, they're so expensive. They've, you know, tripled in cost at least over the past uh, few years because of what's happening. So there's a scarcity and there's just an elevation and an inflation of that cost piece just on the trucking side is, is tremendous. So that's kind of one key issue. The other side is the, is the scarcity of, of people, you know, people are, are having a hard time finding to them to get them into the actual roles. And then even when they're in the roles, I'm losing them. The retention level is just unbelievable. Turnover rates. As I work with, um, some of my clients and do monthly webinars with them, I, I'm hearing 50, 60% turnover at the individual contributor level in supply chain because it's so competitive. They're finding different jobs, you know, so very quickly. So it's just a huge impact to have to go out and rehire and retrain and get them up to a certain level of, you know, productivity, if you will. So those are kind of the, you know, big aspects. And, and we, we know we've seen the port congestion around the globe as well. That's not... It's getting a little bit better, but it's still a major issue is being able to, you know, get my goods moving quickly enough to get to where I need them. That's a, just a constant battle that is not, uh, not alleviating fast enough, and I don't think it's going to be for some time. What's the root cause of that port congestion that we're having? A lot of it had to do with the, uh, the pandemic in a couple of different areas, just shutting down the normal rules of business. So getting port workers in to be able to unload these ships is, is a big issue. And there were a lot of rules, you know, from a COVID perspective that wouldn't allow folks to get there. But then the demand has just spiked. We've been, you know, sitting at home ordering everything online and that's just really ramped up that demand side of that. So you add those two together, that's kind of caused two immovable objects there right now. And that, that demand is not subsiding. Now, obviously we're in the middle of a major geopolitical issue in Europe. What are your views about how that might cause additional impact to supply chain? Boy, that's a, that's a big one to kind of unwrap, Mike. It's, if you look at all the sanctions that are continuing to grow on a daily basis, those sanctions are upsetting an already delicately disrupted global supply chain as it is. Where is, you know, wheat coming from? Where is where are oils coming from? Ukraine has a whole bunch of those. So it's it's a translation to your second or third, you know, sourcing side is really going to clog those things up. Redirecting um, if you if you think about the companies that are pulling out of that kind of area is how are they ch- how does that change their supply chain free up or not free up space just on the shipping side it's causing you know some of these 
ships are getting embargoed, that it might be you know, flagged by countries that have sanctions. So it's disrupting that capacity, um, good or bad, or just, re, just changing it. You know, some of these providers have dedicated lanes to go into these countries, and you can't do that anymore. So where are they going to re, you know, put those out into the marketplace or not? It's just a, it's just a mess right now. Yeah. Well, and I think we've seen on the news that, you know, they talked about air traffic, right? Those air corridors over this contested area right now are significant. FedEx, UPS, all of these people are having to reroute aircraft, and that costs them money. Yeah, yeah, it, it sure does. And and let alone, you know, the impact of shutting off oil from that region and that increase in price that we're all seeing at the gas pump. You're seeing that in your trucks. You're seeing that in your ships. You're seeing that in everything. So we're all going to be, you know, impacted by that. It's just going to be... Um, it's ubiquitous right now. You can't avoid it. Yeah. And another, another arrow for inflation, right? Exactly. Spot on. <laughs> so, all right. Now here's the harder follow on question, right? Is so, Hey, what's it going to take to normalize the supply chain? When's it all going to end if ever? Yeah, that's a really loaded question, Mike. My, my opinion and my perspective is that, you know, it might sound cliche, but it, there's going to be a different normal because you, you see the scarcity of resources. You see the people that have left the job market, whether they're coming back and the value that they put into their roles that they've done in the past will be a challenge. Short answer to your question is I, I think, you know, through 2023, we're going to be living, you know, this dance right now. Of course, it, I think it really critically depends on this whole geopolitical piece being resolved, you know, sooner rather than later so that we can get just get back to, you know, health and digital disruptions. That's enough to measure that right now. Right. So that that new normal is going to have a, a different look. I think the way I kind of describe it, it's a, it's a new stability line, uh, if you will, of, of that balance of, you know, digital and people skills being able to manage the capacity here and understand what this dem- if this demand is going to stay the way it's at right now, because that's driving everything is, is such a huge impact and demand. I think it would be really kind of interesting for the people that are listening to this to hear some of the things that you're talking to these CEOs and boards about. And then let's translate that to that company that has you know 25 million in revenue, 50 million in revenue, and how we might, if we put you in the shoes of one of those owners, how we might translate what you're telling uh, a Fortune 20 company versus what you would tell somebody that showed up to the the Business Owner Transition Academy. Yeah, I, I think it's all applicable regardless of, sky, uh, of the size of your company. It's just a matter of scale. And the way we look at supply chain is across the three legs of the stool, I like to call that, is people, process, and technology. And the place that probably has, they're all applicable to, you know, a 10 to $100 million business versus a, you know, $100 billion is from a process perspective, continuous improvement has to be done. Doesn't matter what your size or scale is. That's something that we've been doing for quite some time. And there should be, a, you know, a decent level of optimization. That's usually kind of a foundational piece. The area that I think is the translation for this agility and resiliency is to look at the technology. I like to call it the digitization and the human capital or the people component. 
So on the on the digital side, I've uh, I've spent some time actually working for a you know supply chain software company previously as well. Is that the tools that are out there today, um, software as a service, object oriented, visibility tools for supply chain? They're not just for the Fortune 50 companies. It's such a competitive landscape right now that there's a great ability to be able to look at and understand and have an affordable solution for collaboration tools in supply chain for smaller companies as well. You don't have to buy a big asset. It's not an SAP system that you're investing in. These are uh, very competitive tools that give you the types of visibility that goes to your initial point there, Mike, of really hitting at the EBITDA line, is how can I really better manage the flow, the exception management of my product, whether it's inbound or outbound, so I can get a good understanding of where exceptions are going to be and I can really drive down the safety stock and really help my inventory turns quite a bit. If you're doing that manually today, you have some, you have an opportunity to look at a way to do it a bit differently and in an affordable way. At the beginning of the year, I, I did a podcast that was welcome to 2022, right? And what are some of the things that smaller companies are doing to become more efficient, become more competitive in a very difficult space, a difficult landscape. And it talked about optimizing software and new tools. So as we think about applying some of these tools that you're referencing to a smaller company, as I'm looking, as I'm the owner and I'm looking at, all right, what's the ROI on this? Where am I going to pick up games? Am I going to be able to reduce my human capital, the workforce that I have, or or maybe on the other side of that, with the scarce resources of human capital out there, am I going to be able to fill holes that I am scrambling to, to put people on right now? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of different places that these tools can help, and it obviously depends on your individual situation. I think the, the optimization, whether it's logistics or manufacturing or even just the procurement side, is really taking somewhat of the the human element out of the decision-making. We've got, you know, from artificial intelligence to machine learning to quantum computing, those capabilities, they're they're smarter than you and I can do. And so you have to figure out a way to leverage those. And they've been, you know, compartmentalized into these tools very readily that the tools get smarter and learn as you use them and better than a human can. So if you're not looking at those, you need to, because it's going to drive the efficiency. It's going to drive flow through of your product. It's going to drive inventory reductions. It should minimize your safety stock requirements. Every single one of those line items is going to hit your EBITDA. And then secondly, you also mentioned it's going to really, it can really help you on the, the talent side. Do you need as many people touching everything? And what that translates into, I, I like to say this, having worked in supply chain for 20 plus years, is supply chain has had a, a, you know, a history of how you measure success is, do I have all the best firefighters? And that's a human being getting on a phone or getting on emails to track down, where is my stuff? Why is it not here? Why is my, not, my customer not satisfied? You don't need that many people you know, going into the future. These tools will give you the ability to see that, actually predict that, and suggest solutions to these exceptions before you could ever realize it. So as opposed to having to track things down, it's giving you, 
here's your alternative based on these kind of different solutions. So it's going to hit that EBITDA line, I think, fairly consistently. Based on what you just said, I look at a couple of different areas. It reduces working capital requirements, right? Yep. It is going to potentially reduce um, or mitigate the problems you're having with your workforce in terms of being able to fully staff or be overstaffed in a case like this. And then also customer retention. So maybe what you could do is let's do an example. Let's talk about a company that might be either having something made overseas or taking supply inputs from overseas. Let's talk about how we might get gain better visibility and adaptability by using one of these tools. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way to look at it. So let's, let's talk about, you know, you make a widget, you know, and you make it out of uh, Vietnam today, you make a product there, you place an order for a certain product. It gets made in the plant, has to go on a truck to get to a port, to get onto a ship, to go across the Pacific, to come into Long Beach, get on, onto a truck to take it to a railhead to eventually get it to your final destination. And today I have no visibility to where I have to call and track that down. The software tools that are out there is when you get each one of those supply chain partners um, up in the cloud to agree to check in and check out your order at each handoff, you can have a wonderful visibility tool where you can pop up on your laptop and see where your shipment actually is. And it predicts you know, what the next stop is going to be. And it also has, you set in rules so that if it's going to jeopardize the actual requested end state delivery time and date, it will suggest alternatives when you have your entire value chain into the tool so that you can say, hey, instead of this product coming from Vietnam, I'm going to redirect something that's coming from Toronto. And that way I'm going to really satisfy that customer because they're the highest priority customer and I can redirect and reprioritize and get that shipment to them. So what's really been happening with these tools is it helps drive the top line growth now. That's what we're all looking for coming out of this pandemic is are we able to grow? And supply chain has been a cost center view for many, many years. It, you know, that whole supply chain or logistics function now, the board and the CEO and the, and the, the t leadership team is really looking for you to be able to make sure that you're enabling growth and not inhibiting that. So these types of tools, very affordable, can help you do that. Yeah. So now you've just hit on another great place, right? I'm good. Checklist is the I is for increasing cash flow, right? Which we talk about in terms of EBITDA. The second piece that we talked about was optimizing processes, right? And documentation of operations. And now you're going to growth, a fully functioning, optimized supply chain leverages the growth piece of the business itself. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And maybe even just backing up to your optimizing the processes. The other thing that regardless of how big your company is, is we are going to have more, it's, it's a global world now and managing the customs and cross-border paperwork trail can be quite a stall as well. If you, you can get your stuff quarantined for a long time, if you don't have the right paperwork going along the way, the, the tools that I was just describing will digitally capture all those cross-border requirements so that you can move your goods from border to border to border. It stays with the actual shipment piece as well, as opposed to a physical piece of paper 
can get lost or whatnot. That's the way it's been done in the past. So there's kind of another way to really improve that process efficiency and really kind of getting into, you know, optimizing the, the whole operations side. We talked earlier before the show started about human capital and chief supply chain officers and what their function is in big companies, the people that you're talking to every day. For a $50 million revenue company, you know, who's the chief supply chain officer, right? You probably have people that are, you know, maybe a logistics manager or, or somebody that is doing some of the legwork that you've just been talking about. Does it make sense for a company that is a $50 million revenue company to, to try to hire somebody in a senior management position to do some of this stuff? Boy, that's a that's a great question. I, I you know, I think some of the critical dependencies to answer that is is how how critical is the the logistics function to your business, depending on what you're making and what you're shipping. How big is your market that you're serving? And I think you know the way I would you know go in and look at a company that's you know of this size is what kind of agility and resiliency do you have built into that supply chain today? Does that logistics manager have the ability to manage and reshape and see what the risks and strengths are of the strategy and structure you have today? Um, in many cases, this is just my view, is I'll, I'll see logistics managers as firefighters. You need them. Don't get me wrong. They're really, really important. But if, you're, if you really want to optimize the the movement of your product, do you have the right kind of foresight to build in that agility, whether it's in resiliency, whether it's, you know, diversifying your supplier base so that you can handle these disruptions? Can you look at how to apply some of these leading edge innovative software tools that are very affordable to your environment, whether it's making or moving things? And then can you, if you have the ability to minimize the firefighting capabilities of that that logistics manager what value added activity they're getting out there to get ahead of to better optimize the processes or the tools to really hit that EBITDA line so that you make sure that you're efficiently lowering the cost as much as possible and really making sure that the availability is there as well so the logistics manager function for lack of a better term, I've used this all the time, you know, box kickers, they have a purpose, but they'll have less of a purpose as we are automating everything, whether it's in the warehouse, it's in the planning function, it's on the shop floor itself. So the more that we optimize, let's figure out ways to not just reward if you've got the best firefighters on there. Do you have the best you know, planners and innovators that are thinking of ways to hit the, all those levers of people, process, and technology, because it all comes back to EBITDA. That's, that's what we're all driving towards. It's about creating strategy and then potentially using technology in this particular case, right, in this logistics space, using technology to execute strategy. Because as we think about a company's strategy and the linkage between effective supply chain management and logistical operations and what they touch, right? They directly touch customer retention, right? They potentially are direct contributors to the company's mission statement, which might be that 
you know, we are going to deliver our stuff faster than anybody else, right? It depends on what your go-to-market strategy is for that particular company, right? Failure to be able to execute that objective with regard to satisfying those customers is, first of all, it's getting really expensive. It's probably has been very labor intensive in the past and still is. And without adapting technology to facilitate this, the cost will even skyrocket further than it is now. Yep. No, it absolutely will. And one of the things that some of my clients fail to realize is the changing expectations of our customer base. When you think about segmenting your customers and you look at where the buying power is moved from, you know, boomers to Gen X, et cetera. And as you move on down and as this millennial generation is increasing in their buying power, their expectations on customer service is like that. It's got to, it's got to be here. And the moment you miss that customer expectation, they're all over social media talking about your company. It's it's awful. And it, as we're, you know, digital commerce and e-commerce is is just growing like wildfire today, is we as as makers of things have to be very sensitive to whether our supply chain is is hitting that demand expectation and customer service expectation of that demographic because they're only their buying power is getting bigger every single day. So, you know, the luxury we had in the past, you know, because we didn't have visibility tools is that my product would show up within a couple of, you know, three days and you wouldn't complain. If it's not showing up at 10 o'clock on Tuesday, like they said, we're all getting upset. Right. So you, that's, and that's all the supply chain issue. So that's the top line piece that people aren't realizing is that you, you're really, if you're not doing it right and doing and meeting those expectations, you're inhibiting that top line growth. I'm going to put you in the shoes of that owner, right? And uh, you've already talked about, well, you know, one of the things that you would do is, is look at your technology. If you were to say to the people that are listening, hey, here are my top three takeaways from the current environment that we have with supply chain, the potential future environment of supply chain, which we really haven't talked about yet what we expect the future to be. So maybe before I ask you the question, let's talk about the future. Are we in a systemic change for how we manage supply chains? I I really do. I think this, um, you know, out of those three kind of big drivers of disruption, the pandemic, the digitization, and the geopolitical environment, this has really caused the the owners of these supply chains to realize that resiliency and agility must be built into how you are managing and delivering your product. It hasn't been the cornerstone in the past. So I I think that there will be hopefully some more stability coming into the whole global logistics space. You know, my gut, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think it's going to be prevalent through 2023. It's going to depend on what's happening in the geopolitical space and how that happens. But, you know, from a future perspective, the digitization of these tools and this visibility, Mike, I'm just shocked by how much money is being invested in these software tools. And we're not going to recognize three to five years from now the way we're running supply chains, big or small today. Because these tools are just, they're spectacular. And they're all, the, the amount of 
the amount of innovation that's coming out of these tools is going to really impact that agility and resiliency. So I, I think it's going to be a good offset to these challenges that we have. You know, today, scarcity of the resources is a, is a huge issue. But like we're seeing in other everyday, you know, occurrences of kiosks showing up everywhere in, in retail businesses that we traditionally would be dealing with people, that's going to automate a lot of these more mundane functions that, quite frankly, we can't find enough human beings to do anymore. They don't see it as being value-add, regardless of their education level. It doesn't matter. So is that that's kind of my perspective on the future is that I, I think 2023 hopefully will have stability to whatever the new normal is that's a you know a great cliche but i think it's just a it's a new operating model that's going to happen that we we won't go back from because enough companies are investing that's going to be the standard that everybody's going to have to try and make because they're they're too cost efficient for us to not compete on that we got to get to that level so in the educational area right how what are young supply chain professionals, not you, you, you're an old guy, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but what are young supply chain professionals doing now? Are they really just becoming IT people? No, absolutely not. I, I think that's not, a, that's not the right way to look at it. First of all, these IT tools have such uh, an amazingly simplified user interface that you don't have to be an IT expert. That's the only way that they're winning out in the marketplace is can they make it very simple and straightforward for you to you know, manage your, your supply chain tools. What they're becoming is more um, forward-looking and anticipating the disruption or the exception that's gonna happen. That's the, that's the whole battle of supply chain is how, you know, how quickly can we move and or make something and get it from A to B. And today it's, it's troubleshooting and calling and emailing Whereas tomorrow with these tools, you need less people to put, you know, the hose on the fire and more folks that are getting out ahead of the problems or managing the diversity of your supply base. So it's actually, to me, a more enriching job for the supply chain professional because they're actually getting out ahead of problems and, and thinking about how to solve them as opposed to, okay, I missed my shipment here. I got to call this person and I got to figure out why, which after a while, it's it's pretty mundane and routine. Right. So we talk about mindset and kind of this four brain theory quite a bit in the podcast, and we talk to our students about it. My personality, right, I am a, a strategic thinker, experimental thinker. We have people on my team that are highly process-oriented. We have people that are highly technical in the mindset, and that other that are very relational. If I am a business owner and I'm either looking for somebody that I might add to my staff or I have somebody that is maybe I'm trying to think about kind of moving more into helping me with my logistics or managing these tools. What type of thinker should I be looking for? You know, that is, that is a great question, Mike. And the, the evolution that I'm seeing is, is you look at, you know, I, I've seen some research on having the right digital mindset, not from a and digital is like kind of like the small D. So it's having the ability to, you know, think quickly. So having agility, finding folks that are not afraid to take risks. They like innovation concepts. They're more entrepreneurial. They don't need to be in a very structured hierarchical environment so that they can think about creative solutions 
Obviously, we still have to get the job done and turn the crank in our business. But having that kind of, those kinds of traits and drivers are really important in the supply chain resiliency and agility that's needed in the future. It's a, it's a different, it's a different mindset that you have to have. I think I'm, I'm tying into your concept there is that it's not just somebody who can pick up a box and move it to the loading dock. I often refer back to military time and flying in this podcast, what you just said there. And I, it makes me think about what you and I used to do. We were mission commanders on these airplanes. We were synthesizing lots of data from outside and internal sources. And we were turning that into a solution so that we could go get the bad guy. And things always didn't go as planned. Did they ever? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the idea was, is that, hey, we're going to go out, we're going to go do this. But we always were constantly pivoting. We were constantly reacting to different pieces of information and then changing the plan based on some baseline tactic, Mm -hmm. right, or objective. But everything was changing all the time. Yeah. So it seems to me that the people that our owners should be looking for, especially with regard to this, are those type of people that have that flexible thinking that can pivot when it's required. It's almost kind of a chess game kind of thing, right? It is. It is. You got to look three steps ahead before. Yeah, absolutely. Case. And I think, and it's not to be derogatory towards, you know, for instance, that logistics manager role that you described. Um, A lot of our, Uh, clients are actually changing the title because we want to incent the right person so that they know when they're coming in the organization, they're not just a logistics manager. There's an innovation component to that. There is a planning, there's a forecasting, there's a, like you say, it's looking three steps down the road um, kind of mindset. Not that they're not doing that today, but their capacity to manage that information with these digital tools is exponential. It really is. So I just see a lot of A lot of my clients um, are looking for the folks that want to eagerly embrace the new tools right right from the get-go, as opposed to, I've only known this way to do it in the past, and if you're not willing to, you know, consider different alternatives, you ought to think about that as a business owner. I think that's going to be critical because this will hold you back. The supply chain is becoming the core of many of our businesses, not becoming it, it is in many cases, and you can't afford to not have the talent that's forward thinking. Yeah. So we just talked about this earlier about this is directly impactful to multiple areas of the I'm Good checklist. And remember, the value of your company is established by cash flow and the rest of the I'm good checklist, which is the quality of your business as to where you generate the multiple against that cash flow. Yep. So Tom, let's talk about, um, I want to, you, you mentioned something just a second ago that had to do with compensation and incentive of these people that you're going to put into some of these roles. Talk a little bit more about that. Boy, that's, uh, I've been spending a lot of time um, recently talking with my clients about the whole uh, attract, develop, and retain of the of your team members. So all the talent components of that. Compensation is a huge issue. We know inflation is is a capital I, and it doesn't seem to be abating right now. And um, I saw a great quote the other day: "Is that you can't buy your resources anymore; you can only rent them. It's that competitive." 
So you as a business owner really need to, I mean, it's a huge line item on, on the expense side is compensation is not going to be your end all answer, even down at the individual contributor blue collar level. It's not anymore. So we, I like to look at it as rewards and benefits, and that has a couple of different dimensions to it. There's, you know, attracting the folks with the right incentive to come work. You know, we're competing in many cases in the manufacturing and, and distribution area with the big companies, the Amazons, the FedExes, and the UPSs. If you have your facilities somewhere close to theirs, you're going to get into a losing battle because they're going to keep on raising their starting rates. And I, I see this again and again on a monthly basis on the webinars that I'm on, is that the 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 price is just going up dollar an hour. The sign-on bonuses are going up. The performance bonuses for that is going up as well. So you got to think about different. What can I do differently? Because that's a race I'm not going to win. What are the retention things that I can do? How can I invest in my people? How can I handle? you know, long-term incentives, which you, heaven forbid, you never thought about those before for, you know, lower level in the organization, but that's getting pushed a lot further down. And so that kind of creative solution um, is really paramount. And, and it's not just whoever's managing your HR function. It, it really, whoever's managing your operations function really needs to think about what are some of the different creative ways that we can retain these people um, until we're able to really digitize our, our environment and, and be able to flex the amount of FTEs that are managing that, we've got to really think about that retention piece. And that's not what chief supply chain officers or COOs have been thinking about in the past. That's been the HR's responsibility, but no longer. It has to be yours. Yeah. Well, listen, it's a big challenge, obviously, right? And so that big challenge and this great conversation we've had about supply chain and talking about people now what are your top three takeaways for a business owner that is in that, you know, 25 to $50 million revenue area for them to think about today on what can I implement in my company to make my supply chain more effective, more efficient, and better apply it to the areas of the I'm good checklist that we've talked about earlier. The cornerstone of that whole question is is making sure that your business strategy is aligned to your supply chain strategy. And if you haven't taken that perspective, you need to make sure that's the case because in many cases that supply chain strategy can diverge. Um, but we've talked about a couple of, I think, key points. So don't be afraid to look at the, the technical solutions that are out there, the digital solutions. They're evolving so quickly. The user interface should not intimidate your company and you and the amounts of efficiency that they can drive from a process perspective, driving down your inventory requirements and really speeding up your flow through of your product are just phenomenal. And it really then starts to point to that human capital piece, which to me is the second piece, is really taking a look at the types of folks that are in and around your supply chain function. If you can get to these new digital tools, which I argue you can, the ability to interface with those tools and use them. First of all, it should drop your FTE requirement down, but the folks that are in there need to have the right competencies, traits, and drivers in order to use those tools, be motivated by them, 
handle the type of structure. It's more of an asymmetric structure that you, you know, comfort level that you want to have from a working perspective, as opposed to a very militaristic way that you and I are kind of familiar with. Having those types of people on your team as you shrink down the FTE count is going to be critical. So working with your HR teammates to figure out what does that job description look like and what are the types of people that we want in there? Do, and do I have people on my team that I want to develop into that role or do I need to go out to the market and acquire them to keep right. it going? And I think that the third piece is, is more of the macro side is, and we talked about this quite a bit, you can't, I can't overstate the agility and resiliency that you've got to build into that whole supply chain value chain. You've got to have, from the very beginning, diversity of a supplier base because the next disruption is around the corner. And if you haven't built that into your model, you're going to get caught like many of us got caught in this pandemic. And really making sure you have that flexibility in all the critical failure points that you see, whether it's the logistics partners you have that are moving your product, um, investing you know, time and energy in those relationships and making sure you have the right backup plans all the way down to that customer interface at the very end, regardless of whether it's an individual direct-to-consumer or traditional warehouse delivered, is making sure you're staying close and understanding the types of digital tools and digital interfaces you can have with them so that this visibility is being optimized as much as possible. Tom, listen, those are all great things. I really appreciate the time that you have spent with me today. We're going flying again soon. All right. All right. <laughs> no, it's great talking with you, Mike. It's a great, uh, I think it's a great subject area, and I think that um, it's going to be fun to watch for the next couple of years to see this evolution. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're, you're in a business where you're going to have a lot of work to do here soon. That's the way I want it to be. There you go. Hey, listen, all right, a little commercial here. I want you to think about the Business Owner Transition podcast, but I also want you to think about the Business Owner Transition Academy. The Academy website is at theowneracademy.com. That's theowneracademy.com. And if you go there on the home page in the banner at the top, there's a button that says, take my free assessment. And that will take you to the business wellness checkup. And part of that business wellness checkup talks about your supply chain and your logistics and your suppliers and ask you some questions about how you're handling those things and how confident you are that you have all the things that Tom just talked about buttoned up. So again, ownericademy.com in the banner on the top, take the, my free assessment. You're going to get the results right away. It's not like, you know, you've got to you know, put in your email address and then wait for for us to bother you. So um, go ahead and take that. See if it helps you out. You can always call us in the contact information that's on there. Continue to listen to the podcast, subscribe it, like, like it, all that stuff. Uh, make sure that you listen to us and we've got some really cool stuff coming up. We're going to talk about business. We're going to talk about flying a little bit. We're going to talk about, you know, maybe some other fun stuff that you don't even think that's important. So anyway, we'll see you next time on the Business Owner Transition Podcast.